Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I don't know what it is this morning. I am buzzing. I think it's because I'm so, so excited about this episode. I think that this is a conversation that I've been waiting to have. I haven't really had the exact way of expressing and haven't really had the words or the tools or the resources to be able to actually articulate this conversation that we're going to have today. And don't get me wrong, it's a work in progress, but I do really feel strongly that it's important for me to communicate about this specific topic because it's something that has been a huge part of my journey and a huge part of my healing. And I have spoken with so many people who have resonated with my experience. And so it's really, really important for me in these situations to have a conversation about it. Now, this is going to be somewhat of a natural extension of the conversation we had last week, which was all about honoring our desire to try new things and being able to move through our fear perhaps of embarrassment or rejection when doing so. But this conversation is going to be more geared towards folks who specifically resonate with the experience of being what we'll call multi-passionate for the purpose of this episode. And what I mean by that is at no point in our life have we necessarily felt like we align to a very linear path. We may have multiple different interests and hobbies and passions. And at some point, we may have felt a certain degree of shame for being that way. And we may have felt like we didn't really fit into the societal narrative, what it means to be successful and prosperous and responsible. So We're going to talk a little bit more about that today. I'm going to share some of my experience being this way, as well as some of the insight that I've gained so far, and really just provide almost like a permission slip, which is something that has been really helpful for me. So I'm going to pass that along to you, which is essentially this idea that there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're not all of these things that you might have been told that you are for being this way. And in fact, I would argue that it's really essential that we unlearn this idea that there is something wrong with us because I find personally, this has been a barrier for me to actually step into my own purpose because I felt as though that's not the right way to be. And the more and more I lean into it and the more and more that I kind of 
let go of the resistance to being someone that is multi-passionate, has multiple interests, and really is just here to experiment and try new things, the more that I feel this sense of ease and this sense of acceptance and authenticity. And on the contrary, the more that I resist it and I do try to put myself into one neat and tidy box, I feel that anxiety and that pressure and that tension creep up. So that's what we'll be talking about today. I'm super excited. I'm going to leave a fair amount of different resources in the description box because this has been such a big part of my journey has been accepting and honoring this part of myself and who I really am and there have been so many different folks who have kind of helped contribute to me coming to terms with that and me starting to get to a point where I can actually celebrate it so I will definitely be leaving those resources in the description box below. So let's start off by talking a little bit about this idea of a linear path. So Emily Wapnick, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, has this TED talk and they talk about how we're conditioned from a very young age to essentially be one thing. We're asked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we're kind of expected to have one answer. And They also talk in the TED Talk about how at some point it's kind of cute and funny when kids say a couple of different things, but then it does reach a certain point. I think in high school would be when I started to feel this where you have to kind of choose. And if you don't choose, there are a number of labels that go along with that. And then not only are we experiencing that external pressure and those labels that we may be receiving but also we begin to shame ourselves because we feel that if we can't find that one thing then perhaps there's something wrong with us and so my experience in high school honestly when I look back was I never really thought about it I wasn't ever really considering what I wanted to do until late high school when those conversations started to be had and academically I did well so it was kind of expected that I would go into university for some sort of similar type of domain to the subjects that I was doing well in but until we were actually prompted to start applying to universities I had never really thought or reflected on what I actually wanted to do in fact I would say that the future for me was always kind of just this open-ended thing and I would say to some extent that still is the way it is where I couldn't really ever visualize myself as one thing or even a couple of things it was just always felt very open-ended so the idea of having to choose for the very first time felt quite daunting and I remember that my process for selecting the program that I decided to go into was completely process of elimination. It was not rooted in this is what I feel called to do because like I said, I never really felt like I had that calling. I've talked before about how generally I've never really seen myself as a career-centered person and therefore it's just never really been at the forefront of my mind. And then also with just having that kind of open-ended attitude of almost like a childlike openness to different experiences made it very hard for me to visualize myself. So I ended up, like I said, doing this process of elimination of, okay, well, I'm really good at math. I'm really good at communication. So English, what could I do? And I ended up landing on 
business. The main benefit of having selected this program in my mind at the time was simply practicality. And there was never any sense of purpose or desire even really. It was just like, okay, this is convenient and this is practical. And I think the thing that's interesting when we're in high school is we don't actually really have any concept of what that would mean to be in that type of career. I personally didn't know that many people who had gone down that path. Ultimately, I just kind of find it odd that we're expected to make this decision at such a young age when we don't really have any framework for making that decision in terms of if we didn't have any people in our lives that went on that path or we weren't the type of person like me who necessarily had this one thing in mind since we were young and then just took the steps to becoming that thing. And the other piece I find fascinating is that we're expected to actually stick with the thing that we chose when we were 16, 17, and in my case, pretty much clueless to what that path would actually entail. I was lucky that I chose a relatively versatile and, to be honest, useful degree, but I hear this from a lot of folks who experience this kind of panic and shame of having chosen a pretty specialized degree and perhaps they're halfway through and they're feeling really, really disconnected from it, but now they've already gone that far down that path and feel kind of ashamed about letting it go and it can be a little bit more difficult to transition away because it's such a specialized domain for example. I think this shame and this experience of feeling kind of stuck is all rooted in the early encouragement to follow our passion, find our true calling, and to kind of stick with it. I also think that the archetype of success in our society is that disciplined person, someone who has devoted themselves to their craft, their calling, their vocation, and have the focus and the energy to be able to do so effectively. And, you know, terms like jack of all trades, master of none get thrown around, which kind of perpetuate this, this idea that to be interested in multiple things is bad because you're not a master. And I did talk about this a little bit in the last episode about how we're obsessed with this idea of mastery and, you know, becoming an expert, which don't get me wrong, I think that's important. But for those of us who are feeling called to explore numerous things, that can feel kind of isolating and shameful because we're not working towards this singular objective of becoming a master in one field or one domain. I've talked about her work before, but this past year, In 2021, I did a course with Dr. Laura Batson, and she has this course called Liberate Your Curve, and it's all about the ways in which linearity and the idea of linearity can actually limit us in our potential and make us feel shame about straying from any type of linear path and quite often she explains and talks about how the linearity that we're encouraged to follow is quite often rooted in patriarchy and in capitalism because it's the easiest way for us to get a direct route to success because we're funneling all of our energy and all of our attention into this singular vocation. And Laura really helped me to understand the ways in which this can stifle our genius and our creativity and can make us feel so disconnected from 
the earth and from each other because we're so laser focused and we are also so focused on suppressing the parts of us that want to be messy and want to be what she would call curvaceous. So that was kind of the first exposure. Like I said, I'm going to be dropping in a few different teachers and lessons that I've received over over the course of the last few years that have helped me to step into myself a little bit more. And that was a really good glimpse into that. So I would highly recommend exploring her work. She is incredible. I cannot say enough about her. She was the first person I would say that I spoke with about the feelings that I was having when I was in consulting and feeling really disconnected from myself and feeling called to something else. And I didn't know if this experience that I was having of feeling, you know, really almost resentful of a more linear path for myself if that was a valid thing to be feeling and she was the first person that helped me to understand that that was okay to be feeling and to trust where that was guiding me and where that was guiding me to essentially try something new and take a different path. So now I begin to identify more with this idea of myself as perhaps existing outside of a linear path and not feeling like I need to shame myself about that. So I begin to learn a little bit more about this idea of being multi-passionate. I didn't really necessarily have the language for it, but it was the first time that I began to give myself permission to, at the very least, explore that within myself. So I want to share a little bit more about my journey and my experience of being this way. So like I mentioned earlier, one of the first things we're asked as a kid is what do you want to be when you grow up? And perhaps I had an answer when I was younger, but I don't ever remember there being a standout. And even if I did have an answer, I remember it would change the next day. And I am lucky to have journaled a lot when I was a kid. And even just looking at my journals, my idea of myself was very expansive and very, as Laura would call it, curvaceous. You know, one day I was an artist, the next day I was a singer, the next day I was a gym teacher. And so I really allowed myself during that time to explore the different facets of myself and express them in the way that I wanted to without feeling like it was wrong. And so ultimately, I wasn't one of those people that growing up was like, I want to be this, I want to be that. Just to give you a little idea and to paint the picture a bit clearer of what I've done so far with respect to my career is I was a server in high school. I worked in government and university. I was a marketing assistant Then I worked in consulting. Then I left that job to go work at a summer kids camp. Then I worked at a cafe for two days, which is a whole different story. And then I went to Thailand to teach English. From there, I became an operations manager at a startup. I did that for two years. Then I started a skincare blog. I tried YouTube. I started teaching yoga. I started teaching meditation. I've done dog walking. I became a content creator. I do freelance digital marketing and I work on a ski mountain. And there's lots in between there that I didn't mention, but essentially I'm trying to give you an idea of I've dipped my toes in quite a few waters, if you will. I'm not sure if that's a saying, but there you have it. And I think at a point, my initial reaction to this list would be shame 
Whereas now I look back with such joy that I tried all these different things that I was willing to say no to what I didn't feel resonated with me. And a good example of that, like I said, is that cafe job. That was one of the first times that I actually allowed myself to make a decision based on the way that I was feeling and not based on what other people would think of it. So I started working at this cafe and within the first day, I immediately knew that it was not the type of environment that I wanted to be in. It didn't really resonate with my values and I just felt really uncomfortable to the point where I actually like physically was sick. And that's never happened to me before, but that's just a good example of how intensely out of alignment I felt in that environment in that particular environment not not saying cafes in general it was a specific cafe that I was working at and it's just an example of at the time I was feeling a lot of shame because I had put in all this effort to actually get the job and then you know having gone from a job in corporate to then going to a cafe you know being self-conscious of whatever other people would think of that transition only to then leave it after two days I felt really self-conscious of that but I knew that that was what I needed to do and looking back I'm so glad that I did because things kind of unraveled in the way that they have now and that's kind of one of my other messages and lessons for this episode and from this experience as being multi-passionate, which is that you may not be able to connect the dots right now, but when you zoom out in the long term, you will be able to have more insight and more understanding of what that experience taught you and how that has shaped you and how that can apply to where you are now. Ultimately, at some point in our life, we internalize the belief that the way we are is wrong and this isn't just for this idea of being multi-passionate this occurs with so many different facets of who we are and i really do believe that the healing work is to unlearn and peel back that layer of protection that we may have built to protect ourselves from that experience of shame that we felt for being a certain way. And so when it comes to, for example, being multi-passionate, there are a lot of labels, like I said, that come along with that, whether it's lazy, weak, scattered, unfocused. And I believe that our work is to be able to release those labels from ourselves. Even if we if we begin to honor who we are as multi-passionate beings and other people continue to label us in that way, the very least we can do for ourselves is not continue to perpetuate that experience of internally shaming ourselves and internally labeling ourselves as such. I think that this is a really important part of the healing journey is to accept that we're always going to have people that don't necessarily resonate with our life choices and our life path, but to be able to have the buffer of does the way that this person is perceiving me and projecting on me need to come into my perception of myself? So we can build on this buffer of discernment when it comes to our image of ourselves of, do I really believe that I'm this way? And does believing that I'm this way make me feel good or lead to decisions that are in alignment? I also think when it comes to things like the conversation of manifestation, it's really important to be mindful of what we believe is a hindrance to living the life that we want. And if the hindrances are 
essential parts of who we are, then there's likely some unlearning that needs to be done. So for example, for me for a long time, it was, I don't believe that I can have this experience of material wealth and success because of the way I am as a multi-passionate person. So then within the practice of manifestation, rather than being expanded and really stepping into who I am and believing fully that I can still have a life that I want as someone that's honoring exactly who I am, I'm blocking myself from number one, being able to step into my full authenticity, but number two, to be able to experience what I desire because I've internalized this belief and almost like an excuse for myself that I can't have that thing. I think when it comes to manifestation, we have to be mindful of the narratives that are shameful or limiting that make their way into how we not only manifest, but live our lives and make decisions. So a really big part of being able to unlearn this idea that I had of myself as incompetent, incapable, unworthy of success because I am this way, I would say that there have been two contributing factors. The first one is obviously experience. I was able to see myself in certain roles and just experience that I was highly effective across multiple domains. So in my experience as a operations manager, I had to do so many different things oftentimes at the same time and be prioritizing so many different things at once. And I was able to see how effective I was in that capacity. And so through that experience, I began to realize that perhaps this wasn't such a bad thing because even in the experience of an operations manager, it was a huge asset to be able to do that. And that was kind of the first experience I had where it was an asset to be this type of person. So experience was a good teacher for me to be able to shift my idea of myself because the external belief is that being the way that I am is ineffective, lazy, etc. But I was able to see myself as highly effective and I was able to receive recognition for being this way in numerous jobs that I've been in. So once I actually started to listen to this feedback that I was receiving and realize that perhaps this was an asset was when this started to help me to work through this mentality and this programming that being this way is wrong. But another big piece which I talk about a lot on this podcast is the meaning making systems that I've been introduced to over the years. So astrology, human design, and I've talked before about how I align with these meaning-making systems to the degree that I feel a sense of belonging within what I'm seeing in my chart and a sense of relief and almost permission to be the way that I am. And it's an experimentation as well because I can see and play around with the more that I lean into what I'm seeing showing up on my chart the more that I feel this sense of ease and this sense of feedback in a positive way. And then I can also play around with different parts and not necessarily resonate with them and, you know, maybe set that aside. So it's not a one size fits all. It's just a way of playing around with different ways of being 
and leaning into different ways of being that may stray from what we're traditionally taught we need to be. So I'm going to talk about human design because I feel that it really articulates what we're talking about in this conversation and I want to make it clear I am not a human design expert. I am simply sharing the wisdom that I've gained from my personal chart, but if you are interested in exploring this for yourself, then I'll leave some resources in the show notes. But I'm going to be talking a little bit about my type, and I know that there are a lot of folks who, if you are resonating with the conversation that we're having, are probably on some level going to align to what I'm about to share with respect to my type. So what I'm sharing is coming from the app My Human Design, and that's by Jenna Zoe. Now I've used various different apps, but I find that this one really helps to break everything down in a straightforward way. It's not super jargony and it's easy to understand. I also don't feel like I need to know every single thing about every single facet of my chart. So this kind of keeps it high level and that's what I really like about it. So the first thing that the app talks about is my energy type, which when honored, we can essentially move through life with much more ease because we are saving our energy for the things that we're really effective at and therefore we're really able to be that much more easeful, I guess, in the way that we navigate our lives. So my energy type is the manifesting generator and if you're interested to learn more about that, you can... There's tons of resources online that you can learn about that. But essentially the idea here is that I have various passions and I'm meant to do various things in one lifetime. And like I said, the other piece here is that you can be highly effective in doing various things. So the objective is to unlearn the idea that you're wrong for being that way because that is a big barrier that I think this energy type would come up against. But once you can actually step into honoring that, like I said, at least in the context of human design, the idea is that you're able to move through life with much more ease. Then when it comes to how I express my energy, so my personality type, I am a 1-3, which is a knowledge seeker and an experimenter. And never have I seen something that feels so aligned to who I feel I am. And so I'm just going to read a little bit about what that means. And this is coming from this app. So it says, your journey is about testing things out in your life, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and getting wisdom from the outcome. The main block to truly embracing this is that our culture believes that when things don't work, it's bad. So your natural trial and error process can feel like failing. This has been such a huge theme for me over the last few years once I started to actually explore and experiment with this way of being because truly no longer does the idea of failure feel like a bad thing at all. I feel more, I feel like the word pivot resonates more and this is a word that I'll see quite often coming up in conversation surrounding manifesting generator and essentially it's this idea that you in every chapter of what you're trying you are taking a little piece of it and you are learning and gaining wisdom and learning about yourself and learning about the world and so even if the outcome isn't exactly what you expected or what you wanted in the next 
little chapter of your life, you're able to. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You're able to implement the lessons that you learned from the previous chapter. And really, I think that that's the most productive way that I can look at something like failure or change. For example, even in relationships, career, or any area of life, which is that although this may not have been the outcome that I wanted or that I expected, there is so much that I have learned through this. And, you know, I become a different embodiment of myself. And so I really can't look at it as negative, if that makes sense. I do also feel that in my patterning, there are lessons and situations that follow me no matter where I am and are asking me to create a different pattern. So what I mean by that is, for example, I start a new job and I'm immediately presented with an opportunity to either forego my own personal boundaries in order to receive more credit or more recognition from my employer or to stand firm in my own personal boundaries. And That's just an example of a theme that I find coming up over and over and over again. And in the jobs, for example, where I've continued to be very flexible in my boundaries, I have gleaned a lot of learning from that of what it feels like and the dynamic that I establish with my employer that I'm available at all times. So this lesson is just something that I can work through in any job that I'm doing and learn in each chapter and each career how that impacts my well-being and then be able to tweak and adjust that moving forward. So basically what I'm trying to articulate is that for me personally, my patterning is even from completely different domains, 
no matter what it is, I'm always dealing with the same sort of lessons and same sort of themes. So if, for example, I go from working in consulting to doing dog walking, I can still apply the same lessons of boundaries and not feeling like I always have to bend to the expectations of others into this new experience. So that is one way for me, at least in relation to career, because although we're talking about multi-passionate, it doesn't only pertain to career. It can also pertain to hobbies or any number of things. But in the context of career, this idea that we learn something from every single chapter and every single different job that we experiment with, that has been really validating and helped me to reframe my idea of failure. So let's talk a little bit about, for me personally, what it feels like to be what we'll call a multi-passionate person. So first of all, I would say, like I mentioned in my childhood, I always kind of had this open-ended idea of my future. Even now, I would say that thinking really far into the future, it it doesn't necessarily... It doesn't necessarily make me feel fear. I just can't really do it in that I feel like I'm always changing and always evolving. And it's really hard for me to plan more than a couple of steps in advance. I can have a vision, an overall vision for myself, but in terms of sitting down and mapping out the exact steps of how I'm going to get there, I feel like that is much more of an experiential process that arises as I receive feedback from the trial and error that I'm going through, as an example. So what this feels like is that really concrete, crystal clear roadmaps of how things need to be done actually create more of a feeling of angst within me almost like this adolescent sense of, nope, that's not how I'm going to do it. Or, you know, that's not how I have to do it just because that's the way that it's been mapped out for other people. And it's not to say that I reject, reject, excuse me, true wisdom and insight from folks who have learned on the path, but I don't necessarily have to interpret that that's exactly how it's going to unfold for me. So I think it's this balance of being able to learn from other folks who have gone down a similar path to what I'm going down, but also trusting that I'm in my own unique process and there is value in that and I can lean into my own sense of intuition and trust that I have the ability to navigate this in my own unique way. Something that I also find is that being given binaries about how things need to be done makes me feel Like, I just want to reject that idea. So it's like a good example of this would be when I started exploring the idea of quitting my job to become kind of freelance slash entrepreneur, a very common narrative that I kept hearing was, well, you're basically choosing between working nine to five. Maybe you don't like the job, but at least it's stable and secure and you have good income. Or you're going to become an entrepreneur and you're going to be working 100 plus hours a week without any stable, solid income. And immediately the gut feeling that I had was, I don't feel that that's, those are the only two options. They might be the most commonly held examples within each of those realms. So within the realm of having more of a stable job, there's kind of one 
model that we often use. And then in the realm of entrepreneurship, there's one model that we often would visualize what it means to be an entrepreneur, for example. But I'm always looking for different ways of doing things. So even within the world of being employed, is there a different way to operate? For example, possibilities of working part-time or different flexible schedules? Can we play around with the idea of being employed in such a way that doesn't need to look so rigid? And then on the side of entrepreneurship, is it is the only possible way to be an entrepreneur and exist in this space to be someone that works 100 plus hours a week and basically be burning themselves out to move forward with their business? And I think there are so many different factors that come into play when people identify these binary options one of them as being the fact that different people have different goals and objectives so is the 100 hour plus entrepreneur looking to grow their business to a certain income level within a certain period of time whereas i may not resonate with that income level or that time frame so do i then have to be working in that same way because we all have different goals and different objectives and different visions for ourselves. So what that also means is that our paths can be very different. So I think that the reason that this is particularly challenging to even think in this way for myself is that it's much easier to compare things that are in neatly packed categories and that makes it easier for us to make decisions, for example, if we have a set number of kind of choices to choose from but what I have found is that whenever I feel that neither of the choices resonate with me I begin to ask myself whether those are the only two choices that exist or whether there's perhaps a combination of the two or so much in between and outside of those two options and something that I would always do and that I continue to do to this day is I would say if I can find even one example of someone that exists outside of these two binary options, then that means that those aren't the only two options that exist. The reality that I found for myself is that because I really don't resonate perhaps with having the most clear roadmap ahead of me, I am dealing with a lot more uncertainty because I don't necessarily have quite as many examples of folks who have gone down a similar path to what I feel I'm going down. And so that definitely is something that can be challenging and can be disorienting, especially to my nervous system because I don't have as much tangible proof that what I feel inside of me and the way that I move through the world is validated through seeing other people's success and seeing that that is going to happen for me but I feel that that is part of my journey and my lesson is to learn that I don't always need to have something tangible in order to hold a belief for a vision for myself. Another part of what it feels like to be this way is that there's very much an experiential element in that I want to actually be able to experience something for myself. I want to go down every path that I'm interested in to see for myself. So even if someone tells me, oh, you know, you don't want to do that because of X, oftentimes I want to be able to, like on a subconscious level, I want to be able to actually see that for myself. So like I mentioned, of course, learning from other people's experiences and meaning-making systems and other teachers has 
a huge potential to expand me, I also learn so much from my own experience. And that is also one of my big teachers as well. I briefly touched on this before, but another facet of what it feels like to be living in this way for me at least is that there's always this sense of uncertainty and on one hand we can look at this as negative because I think uncertainty is quite often framed as something that invokes fear and a lack of stability but at the same time it can be very expansive because if we kind of open ourselves up to uncertainty we open ourselves up also to potential and to possibility because if we're certain that our life is going to look a certain way then we're not really opening up to all of the different ways in which it could be expanded when it comes to experimentation and trying different things the whole the whole concept is that there's a degree of uncertainty and this is uncomfortable for many of us and you know I'm uncomfortable with it don't get me wrong I I've especially felt like lately I I never really ever get to a point where I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm good. I feel like when I do get to that point, I often then just move on, if that makes sense. And it is a balancing act for me because I've gone too far on the opposite side of the spectrum. And I've talked about this before where I have this like addiction to changing things up and I don't really allow myself to ever actually find a sense of stability and groundedness in things that I'm doing but I do feel for me it's a balance between having the rituals and practices and people and connections that make me feel grounded and not always feeling like I have to switch it up especially when the energy behind switching something up is that the grass would be greener on the other side it's more so when I feel very much like something is no longer resonating and I'm feeling called to something else then I can allow myself to move through that and accept a certain level of uncertainty in doing so so how we can actually begin to honor this part of ourselves because like i said the whole objective behind conversations like this one is to move from a place of feeling ashamed and repressing certain parts of who we are and feeling like we need to stay in certain situations simply because that's what we're expected to do and then moving into more of a space of honoring and valuing and celebrating who we are in the way that we are and then being able to actually realize the potential in aligning and kind of easing into who we are because I've talked before about how honoring our authenticity and honoring our natural way of being can be so powerful. So that's really what this conversation is about. So the first one is when you start to maybe lean into this way of being in whichever way that looks for you. I touched on this before, but I'll say it again, which is just to be aware of people projecting onto you and having an internal system of, does this make sense to me? Do I feel that I need to you know, devote my energy and resources to defending myself against this projection or can I simply allow us to coexist with different opinions on things? Because I'm not here to tell you that, you know, you need to be seeking out everybody that puts you into an echo chamber and validates every single decision that you make. I think that there is value in hearing different perspectives and once again, gaining wisdom from even people who have different types of personalities and energy what they can share with you on your path so it's not about putting yourself into an echo chamber and only listening to those who agree with you and the decisions that you're making 
but also just to have your internal process of identifying when things are being projected on you and not feeling like that needs to be playing as big of a role in your decision-making process. There's a difference for me of the energy behind advice and sharing wisdom and projection. Quite often I feel that projection comes from a place of perhaps that person is seeing something in you that invokes a feeling of fear. So they're witnessing you make what they might feel to be a flighty decision and then they are trying to, even out of a place of love, protect you from having that experience. A good example of this would be when I was trying to make the decision to leave my job in consulting and not to get into too much of that, but it was absolutely the right decision at the time. I was obviously talking to friends and colleagues about it and I had one colleague who reacted quite intensely in a way that made me feel like it made me really question my decision. And initially... Perhaps I was questioning my decision of, oh, am I making the right decision? Because this person kind of brought a bunch of things into my awareness that kind of made me feel guilt and shame about making the decision to walk away. And to provide a little bit more context surrounding the comments and the nature of the comments that were being made and what I feel now were just projections on me was this person felt that my decision to walk away was on one hand kind of irresponsible and she was worried about how it would look to other people because I was then going to work at a summer camp which I think that she felt was just a confusing choice which fair enough but that didn't really bother me at all what did really lead me to question myself was when she said that it was extremely privileged to be making this decision for myself Um, and that's what really made me question it for a long time. When I began to unpack this a little bit more, it reminded me of, I saw this post from this account called Gender Sauce, and I'll read a little bit more about it in a second, but essentially the sentiment is, you know, when I tell myself that I can have a better outcome than the one that I have now, it's not coming from a place of not having gratitude for where I am, but we can still look at our situation and say, does this make sense to me? Does this fit for me? And a good example of this type of conversation is oftentimes when we see people talking about resting more on social media, the instant reaction is, well, that must be nice like to be able to do that for yourself. And kind of a similar type of reaction to what I had when I was leaving this job, which by the way, this was the worst state of mental health I had ever been in. And I felt like the right decision for my mental health was to leave. And in hindsight, it was the right decision and I don't regret it for a minute. But to be receiving a comment that just because I was in this position and I wasn't happy, I was still privileged to be able to make that decision for myself. I thought it was sad that rather than encouraging me to seek something that was healthier, this person felt that it was important for me to stay in this place just because I was lucky to even be there. So rather than putting our energy towards collectively working towards better outcomes for everyone, it's not just for myself, I want everyone to have a better outcome, we are putting energy towards shaming each other 
for trying to make that change for ourselves. So this post, I'm going to read you a little bit about it. It says, whenever I remind people they don't deserve to be worked to the bone, I am told I speak of privilege. Whenever I encourage people to find the small moments of rest they can, I am told I'm being unrealistic. So I've kind of diverted a little bit away from my original point, but what I'm trying to say here is that there will be projection. I think this is something that is natural. We all do it. And it's not to say avoid people and shut off the people that do this. It's simply to have an internal system of, does it make sense for me to stay in this position because of what this person is highlighting to me? And sometimes it does, because sometimes people can give you a reality check and a wake-up call. In this case, this person's belief that I should stay in a situation that was harming my mental health and well-being because I was lucky to be there in the first place and that it was irresponsible to go do something else, that felt like it was less about me and more about the other person. And I felt like I could still seek out something for myself and create my own narrative surrounding the decision that I wanted to make. So that's just something to be aware of. And then another way that we can honor this way of being is really just to allow ourselves to try new things and let go of old things. Like I said earlier, you may not be able to connect the dots now, but once you zoom out, it can make a lot more sense. And there's this author called Barbara Schur, and she refers to this way of being as being a scanner and essentially recommends that you refuse to choose. You don't have to choose one thing. You don't have to pick one thing. You don't have to stick with one thing if that doesn't feel good for you. If you can make it work for yourself and you feel safe and secure to be able to experiment, and this doesn't have to be necessarily just in relation to your career. It can be in your hobbies, in your personal life, in any way that you should desire to play around with this. And then a lesson that I'm learning and I'm having to re-remind myself of is when you have this open-ended view of yourself in the world and you have such a wide net of past possibilities, excuse me, this can become overwhelming and we can experience decision paralysis. So it's the it's the reminder that you don't have to do everything all at once and you can find ways to focus in small ways that don't feel like they produce that sense of I guess being restricted and still allow you to play and I've talked before about the idea of creating containers and for me I've learned that structure in some loose sense and then playing within there helps me to feel grounded and so being able to manage that overwhelm and that avoidance I also write down literally everything that comes to mind so that I don't feel like I'm necessarily letting go of all these ideas. And then again, when I remind myself that I can, I don't have to do everything all at once, at least I'm recording them in some way. And then relating back to my personal human design, something that I really resonate with is personally, I feel like I need to sit with things for a little bit if I immediately act on every single impulse that I have quite often I'm I'm feeling quite scattered and out of control and oftentimes I've I've probably acted on certain impulses that may not have been rooted in a place of purpose and so I need to kind of sit with things and see that they would actually be able to integrate into my life in a sustainable way that's not going to overwhelm me because if I get an impulse and then I immediately act on it and then I'm like 
a couple of days later, I'm like, I don't know how I could sustain what I've just chosen to do if I were to actually have sat with that and accepted and let it go and maybe accepted that it might show up in some different way in the future that feels a lot more manageable and a lot more grounding for me at least. So playing around with what your personal strategy and patterning is with managing and responding to the inspiration that you're receiving and what the best way is for you to actualize that, whether that's sitting with it, whether that's waiting for that gut feeling and just seeing what that patterning leads you to. Another thing I mentioned that can be really helpful and supportive in honoring this way of being as a multi-passionate person is to find the tools, the meaning-making systems, whether that's Myers-Briggs or astrology or human design, finding the teachers and the resources that will help to guide you and support you in flourishing in this way of being and can provide you with the validation and the permission to do so. That can be really helpful and supportive. And also remembering that it's essential to unlearn that this way of being is wrong because ultimately we, when we believe that this is wrong, we believe that perhaps we're not worthy of having the same success as others who are able to stick to one thing or be more aligned to a linear path. So it's essential that we unlearn this idea because it blocks us from being able to see ourselves and be able to take steps towards being at a level of not even success, but in a life that we want to be in because we feel that you know, this is why, because we're wrong to be living in this way. So here's to being multi-passionate and to embodying everything that we want to embody, to being unafraid of failure and unafraid of how it looks to other people, but really being able to listen into our internal knowing and lean into our effectiveness to be able to do multiple things and to be able to enjoy numerous things and numerous paths. So I hope that you enjoyed this and if any of this resonated with you, then I'm going to leave you off with a little insight once again from this human design app that's my human design from jenna zoe and i just really liked this quote so it says you're here to be unafraid to fail because failure is just a stepping stone to success the quicker you embrace that some things might not work the faster you will get to succeeding you are naturally designed to live through a trial and error process so find a way to feel powerful as you do it and see it as fun interesting and playful So I hope that this episode has helped you to gain some insight if you are feeling like you are this type of person. I am passionate about living in this way myself, honoring this part of myself, and helping others to honor that as well within themselves. I think these conversations are really important to have in shifting what we believe to be the idealistic way to live so that we can begin to feel as though the way we are living is okay and that there's nothing wrong with us and that in fact we can still be worthy of everything that we want. So that's it for today. I hope that you enjoyed. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next Friday. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.